You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I've got Travis Thomas with us. Travis, how are you? Going really well. On the island, we like to hear stories from people who have made a decision at a point in time in their life where they've decided to do something for themselves, perhaps go against the grain, perhaps make a decision because they were uncomfortable in a situation they were in, or they just made a decision to do something that they've always wanted to do. So Travis, has there been a time when you've done that? Yeah, I think with this question, the thing that really resonated with me was the, the a time where I had to look at the voice of who I wanted to be in the space I'm in, in the, the people leadership and strategy side, and not about the business itself, but more around like we, we read a lot of content, right? There's lots of content in the space around how you should lead your business, how you should lead people. But I didn't think anyone was really acknowledging and being brave enough to say the things that we all kind of know, things like yeah, I might put in the effort and do all the work, but some people are just really bad employees and we probably need to move them on. Or no, you can't help everyone because sometimes people don't want to be helped. Uh, so it, it, and also like being a leader is really, really fucking difficult, right? Anyone who's led a team, sometimes there's a quote I like that I've seen that says, sometimes you look around as a leader and the only thing you see is your shadow. For me, that that really resonated, but no one was talking about that aside from your Instagram quotes of like leadership is lonely or whatever. Um, no one was willing to write about that. It's interesting you say that because uh, I certainly worked at one stage with a CEO who was very confident, very skilled, knew what she was doing, was great strategically, but would often say it can get really lonely being the CEO. A hundred percent. And it's one of those things you have to kind of sit in uh, as a leader for a while and go, and I see it sometimes when I'm working with leaders, they go, oh, I just feel like I have no one to talk to. I'm like, it's a little bit of the gig, right? Yeah. So you were, um, you've been in this space for some time, I know. Um, perhaps listeners on Max's Island would like to just get a bit of an understanding of your, the context, which uh, led you to this sort of revelation of, of the need for to be upfront. 
Yeah. So I started in corporate America, as you can kind of pick up by the, the accent and was in a fortune 500 company doing coaching and process improvement, which is all the, the rage kind of what, 15 years ago or so. And in that you get washed through the corporate cycle. You learn how to speak the way corporate coaches are meant to speak and then decided to sell all our things. And my wife and I moved here to Australia with just our two cats uh, nothing else. And uh, yeah, I decided, well, I don't really care for corporate. So I'm going to have a punt at consulting. So went into consulting nearly a decade ago, um, which kind of took me on this journey, which I mentioned of starting to figure out, well, what's my voice and how do I really own that? I don't feel like people are being fully honest about the situation of leadership. So did that for kind of seven years as one of the, the partners in another firm. And two years ago, decided to go out on my own and really test um, because I didn't think it was fair with a group of people in an established business for me to start completely changing the brand message and start pushing us down a track that is pretty risky, right? Like Perth is a great place, but also it's a pretty conventional town. So if you start behaving semi-erratically or off brand, people go, what the hell's going on with these people? Like get them out of here quickly. It's too much risk. It's interesting you say that because Certainly Perth is a small small town and you are often known for one thing and then if you start talking about something else or, or, or shifting your brand, that, that can be risky, um, especially when there are partners in a business and there's a previously established business. So I can understand your decision to remove yourself from that environment. But did you find when you were consulting that a lot of leaders would acknowledge some of the things that you were saying would acknowledge the right things to do, but then fail to execute just because it got a little uncomfortable for them. It might've been a little bit too difficult or they just went back to their old ways. A hundred percent. And that's one of the big challenges. I don't think we fixed that, but I think one of the big challenges our industry is still trying to crack. And I think I'm getting better at it is um, I liken it to personal training, right? You sit with a personal trainer for once a week or once every couple of weeks, if, if you go down that route and they give you a plan and then they come back and see you in a week or two and go, how'd you go? And you go, oh, well, you know, uh, so go, well, hold on a minute. And then, and then eventually what happens three months later, you go, uh, you quit the personal training. Someone asks you, have you ever tried personal training? Yeah, it didn't work for me. And you, go, Wait, you, you can't not do the work in between and, and then blame the personal trainer. Uh, and it's a lot like that. I've, I, I was finding is, is, you know, there's this lack of commitment and rhythm, but it's not because people don't want to do it. I think because they, one, don't have a clear pathway or sometimes are just so immersed in the pain that they haven't had time to process an alternative to that pain. Did you find that if you, if you went back to a CEO and said you haven't been doing the work, how did they take to that? So initially that was really hard for me to develop as a skill, but to be honest with you, that's probably the biggest value proposition I would put out there in in my personal brand now is, uh, and if you look at any of the reviews or talk to anyone I work with as a leader for long periods of time, they say that's the, the best thing to the point where like last week I sat down for a coffee with one of my coaching clients before I even opened my mouth, they said, I know what you're going to ask me. I haven't done it. Here's why I haven't done it. Um, and can you help me please? Because here's why I didn't do it. And I go, great. Like that's such a good place to start from. There's already this accountability, but an expectation that I'm going to challenge you if you didn't do it. And I found that that's 
if you tell people that up front, right, it's like, I'm not, I'm going to tell you that, yes, I'll help you solve this culture problem, or yes, I'll help you solve this people problem or whatever it is, but I'm going to hold you to account. And I'm going to tell you when you're the problem or you're not doing what you committed to, people will either say yes or no, right off the bat. And then when you go to raise that problem, it's not really an issue and you can challenge them then and there. And, you know, nine out of 10, I would say roughly go, you know what? That's fair enough. You were right. When you made the decision, talked to your previous partners and said, this is the course that I'm going to take, was that a shock for them? Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think they handled it really well and a great group of people still doing great things. But I think there was like the what the heck question. And for me, it was really, well, I've tested this voice out a little bit. I think it works, but I, I reckon I have to go a little bit harder on that. And I just, as I said, I, I don't think I can do that, but it is the, it's the thing that people always say. It's, you know, it's so refreshing to hear someone say like, oh, actually sometimes a person's a crappy person or actually, you know, um, you, you, it's not that you've done this. It's that the system has done this. So, but if you, if you read a newsletter, you go on medium, I've got some articles there. That's where I tested it first. I was like, I'll go anonymously on, on medium and I'll start like, no one knows who I am on here. So I'll start building some content and then floating those as links around. And the feedback was like, yes, I love the fact that like you swear a little bit, but also you, you're real about the problem and, and why I'm struggling. And also you kind of tell me I need to look in the mirror. So those three things connected well. I go, awesome. I'm going to take this to an extreme and, and sacrifice my livelihood on the back of, of trying to prove that concept. Did you have some of your existing customers go, oh, wow, Travis, this is, I've been waiting for something like this. I'll come with you. Or was it all just new business? new business predominantly and that takes time right so the biggest thing i will say is you you're gonna if you start anything new or you're trying to do anything that's anti-establishment even if it's only slightly anti-establishment you know that's really painful and intensive and there's going to be days where you're doing all this work and marketing and, and trying to get the word out there and you just don't hear anything and then you know what i say to people is endure like if you really believe it and the evidence isn't there yet to say yes or no. Of course, if it says no, you need to stop at some point. But if you're not hearing anything, that doesn't mean quit. It means you just haven't broken through yet. And then what would happen over time is like after three or four weeks of just hammering away at some of this key messaging, you get an email from one person and be like, this changed the way I run my meetings. Or, you know, I just printed your newsletter and gave it to every member of my staff, like bang. That says to me, there's something there. So the generation of your content, you've mentioned that you wrote articles on Medium and produced a newsletter. Is the written word the only way or is there other, other methods that you're using to get the message across? So inconsistently, I have been doing uh, YouTube. I did get really good feedback on that. And I started a segment, which if you want to talk about unconventional, it's called What the Fuck Wednesdays. Um, and it's essentially what WTF Wednesdays, which by the way, Facebook hates that anything with swearing, they will not let you promote. <laughs> um, but it has me on camera and cut in is a segment that I went and trolled Reddit for. So I just went through Reddit and I said, 
Like, what are some of the worst things people have complained about with their leaders or their workplaces? And then how would someone in my position, if I was asked to come in and fix that, fix that? And so it was like, I've only done two of them so far, but the feedback was great. Like one of them was on halitosis. Like, how do I tell my boss that they have really bad breath? <laughs> and so and I just, and you just read through it and you give some practical advice. And then it says two or three of those in a segment, or, you know, what do I do if someone is convincing someone else to do something, but I know it's immoral and I'm the leader, but also it's getting me the results. So it's these really tricky, nuanced situations that leadership books don't tell you, right? It's not like, uh, you know, just do this and you'll be fine. It's like, my boss has bad breath, but they pay my salary. How do I tell them they have bad breath? It's like, that's a really tricky situation. And also the customers are complaining to me about their bad breath. So <laughs> yeah, what do we do in that scenario? So I have found video I really enjoy doing, but written content can be, can be, quite good, I think, because you can sit down and just you know, type away and look and go, does this really solve a problem? Are you finding now that uh, you're getting more customers, getting involved in, in new businesses, that that's exposing other issues, other scenarios that uh, you can bring your your refreshing way to solve those problems? Yeah, 100%. So it's funny, though, because once you start dealing with people challenges, I always say to people, you know, there's a quote I like to say to people on leadership is that it's just a series of difficult conversations no one really wants to have. And so, and that's a bit reductive, but when I start tackling some of the culture problems, there's always a series of difficult conversations that no one wants to have that are blocking that. And, and that's only one part of what we address. But if you start doing that, it's amazing how when people were maybe at a loggerheads or the place wasn't growing, how immediately there's just this changeover that happens that, oh, look, I can tell you two are grumpy with each other. Why are you grumpy? Oh, why would you say that? It's like, because look at how you're looking at each other and you're not. And you also, when they talk, you look that way. And when they talk, you get grumpy. So let's, you two are going to come sit with me and let's have a conversation. And sometimes the threat of that's enough that they start playing nice. <laughs> and then sometimes you sit down and you go, what's going on here? Like, why, why, well, you did this. Oh, I didn't know. And then before you know it, like things just open up and they start moving. So I have learned that in, in to answer that, that as much as we think everyone's different and people go, well, our industry is a bit different. Like, yeah, but you employ people and people will all have similar needs and similar challenges that you can kind of replicate across organizations. Travis, let's just go back to that move where you went out in business on your own, went out with a very strong brand premise, your value proposition that was, was different to perhaps what you'd been operating in before, but it was more authentic mm. to you. Did that help being so clear alleviate some of the fear of jumping from a safe consulting business to being on your own? No. <laughs> as much as because the danger is like you're getting high on your own product right like you're going, oh i think this could be a how can the world not see this um and because of like i've worked with so many consultants over past and i used to do all the recruiting i've seen how quickly people's vision can just burst into flames right so you go i was very cautious to go oh my god like am i just drinking my own kool-aid here yeah. and going like this is amazing but no it, it didn't alleviate it but i thought no matter what i know what i'm working towards right which is at least that can give you some assurity that regardless of if this gets hard or not i've got enough in the mental tank to push through what that requires 
that, that's a good way of putting it, enough in the mental tank. Uh, I think mm. when we go hard early and, and that tank runs empty very quickly. That's and it. So what have you found that's um, a little bit interesting in the world at the moment in terms of accepting some of these messages? You know, uh, are the organisations you're speaking to universally going, oh, this is a refreshing message? Or are some of them just going, oh, this is just too hard for us? I haven't bumped into anyone yet who doesn't say they want that. So the, the, at surface level, they say, yeah, it's kind of like if you ask everyone, like I, I could stand to lose a little bit of weight. So if you ask everyone, like, would you like to be in shape or have like six yep. pack of abs, right? Everyone goes, yeah, 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 great. And then I go, okay, let's get on the treadmill. And they go, Ooh, well, hold on a minute. Like, I didn't realize I got to do this every day. So <laughs> I have found that people do really like the message. I mean, you know, someone said to me the other day, because I'm not, not sure how much you're familiar with the Buffalo story. Yeah, just give us the uh, insight into that. Yeah, so the, the reason I named the company Buffalo was, you know, years ago, I heard this story about what Buffalo or Bison do. And I thought, how amazing. If I, and I said to myself, if I ever started a company, I would name it something to do with Buffalo. Um, so the story is that, you know, and if you go to the Plains or anywhere where you can kind of compare cows to Buffalo, if you raise a herd of cows and a herd of buffalo they have two very different sets of behaviors when a storm comes over the hill the cows will try to outrun the storm so and they panic and they trample all over each other and eventually they hit a fence right because you've got them blocked to a certain area and then they just get hammered by this storm for some reason buffalo over however many thousands of years have learned to like uh, have someone watch for that storm and they alert the rest of the herd. And then they do something which very few animals do is they actually charge into the storm rather than running the same direction as the storm to try to escape it. They run through it and they come out the other side. They don't get stuck against anything and come out with less injuries. So if you think about leaders in business, how often do we try to outrun change or outrun the problems we need to solve rather than running into them and coming out better for it? So that was the, the primary notion. And so a customer said to me um, just before I onboarded him he, and he was trying to make sure I could do what I said I could do. He said, I like the Buffalo story, but I don't like the fact that they run into the storm. And I said, well, I said, that's the point. He's like, well, I thought they'd find a smarter way to be victorious. And I was like, oh, no. I said, that's the whole point is they're dealing with the issue. And I said, OK, I know where we're going to start when we start working together. I'm interested to continue to explore this, this notion of confronting stuff head on, just like the, the buffalo does. I, I understand the metaphor of that. Mm. Is that. Is it an easy thing to translate into action for an organisation? Yeah, I think one of the first questions I ask leaders when I saw so sometimes send them a pre-survey if they say I want coaching, I've got need some help or whatever. One of the questions I ask is like, what are the things you know you're not dealing with right now? Like stop. And then if they can't answer that, it's like, well, what's, what's been stressing you out or keeping you up at night? I like to ask them what keeps you up at night. And they go, well, you know, I'm worried about this person might resign. I'm worried about this, or I don't think I can deliver on that. You go, great. Well, why is that still a problem? How long has it been? And then you start to realize, well, yeah, I haven't taken action or I haven't done anything. Um, and to, to your point, I think one of the bits we miss off on is the balance between the role of the leader in owning the problem and the balance of owning, just mitigating or, or ending the problem, right? So if someone's not doing something, let's say, for example, a behavioral problem, maybe you're resisting what I'm trying to get you to do. Then Tony and I said, well, hey, Tony, like, let's do this, whatever. There's usually three, three possible reasons for that. One is process. 
maybe it's become a bit of a problem. I've made it hard for you to do whatever you need to do, or it's challenging, or the company isn't really set up for you to do that. There's skill. Maybe you just don't have what you need to do, or, you know, we haven't given you what you need, whatever. And then will really, I mean, there's little bits and pieces outside of the boat, but those are kind of the three main categories we can start with to start to understand. The first two I can fix as a leader. The third one, is really hard, right? How do I compel you to do something that maybe works against your experiences or your needs and what you want to get out of it? And does the culture piece sit in that space? The, the, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but also how we look after people, because all of that's part of our culture, right? Is if our culture is, we know we've got a broken system, which falls in that process bucket, but we don't care enough to do anything. Like I'm dealing with a client who's got an awful CRM and they're making all their salespeople use it. And I say to them, this is terrible. This is a really, you know, objectively, this is terrible. And I said, yeah, well, I don't know. The sales guys just need to make it work. And I go, well, (laughs) well, then you need to adjust your expectations, right? It's not fair. They clearly have the will. They're pushing as hard as they can, but this system is awful and it just blocks them and they're doing stuff that doesn't add value. So I said to them, like, you can't tell me you have a culture problem. The culture is actually, you're telling people that my investment in this system far outweighs your need to be effective in your job and your will to do your job. And that creates a culture. Yeah. One of the things that I, I'm drawing from your approach is mm. the fact that you obviously have some very strong personal beliefs around being upfront, calling things, using those, those sorts of things to construct your own personal brand, but, but it is delivered in, in your business brand as well. Yeah. That, that concept of wholeness of individuals in the workplace, again, do you, do you see that changing where some organisations are now allowing their individual employees to, to be themselves as opposed to assuming the position that the, the, the square peg in the square hole just because oh, that, that's, that's the easiest thing to do from an operational point of view. But in reality, to get the best out of an individual, you need to allow them the, the space to flourish with their own personal abilities. 100%. Yeah. So the, the mechanisms and the, the identity of the person doing the job matter from a, do we look after them, but shouldn't matter from a, can this person do the job and should I trust them? Right. And I think that that's the bit that we're, we're really missing out on is, and what tends to happen. So look at this week, right? Snap lockdowns, people get deployed back to home. What I immediately saw, and I call this every time, is I say, your meetings will triple. They'll triple, right? We'll start putting you in places where we can observe and have more interactions. And some people might argue, well, that's because I won't bump into the hallway, but that's not the subject of those meetings. It's actually, well, I want to check in on this piece of work or I haven't. So it's, it's either we're clearing a backlog or we don't trust people. And when I look at leaders, when we tend to not tolerate that different individual, what do we do? We start micromanaging, right? We we zoom in more. And that's usually driven by either our fear or our ego. My ego is you should be like me and have my values. Or my fear is I don't understand you. I don't understand what you represent or how you might do this job. So in both of those, I ratchet up my expectations and I manage the hell out of you. And eventually it breaks. And then what do I say? Look, I told you this, this can't work here. Working from home is a really interesting um, thing at the moment because we've obviously gone through our, out of necessity over the last 18 months. We're at now in a position where a lot of organisations actually realise that if they get the trust piece right and culturally, you know, the, the leadership group understand the need to trust and, and, and base 
performance on outcomes rather than, you know, as you say, micromanaging the operations. It'll be interesting to see whether there is a divide that occurs between those organisations that are able to cope with these, these new hybrid systems of working versus those that want to just go back to the same old way. Yeah, I definitely, people have been touting this message that we're in the new world of remote and hybrid working. I don't believe that. I believe what will happen is the moment most companies can regain control, they will claw everyone back into the office and put them right back. It'll be like, I say, it's more like we hit the pause button than we did actually shifting. Now, I do think some will have changed and some will see the benefit. Um, but if you look at, for example, activity-based working, right, which is this notion as a model that no one really has the desks, so you come in and you work in the spaces you need to work in. If you need to collaborate, you can go here, if you need there, you've got a locker, you put your stuff and you come and go. One of the biggest drivers of that model, which a lot of people cite behind closed doors, is that it was really around clawing back real estate savings. We can drop our office footprint by X percentage, right? So they go, oh, it's good for culture. It's like, Mm, I don't really know. And then when you talk to employees, they go, I hate this. I have to put my stuff in a basket in a locker every day. And also some days I come in and I've got nowhere to go. So you go, well, what is, what is the individual need? And to your point, what's the outcome they need to achieve? And then how do we best enable that, right? We don't need to micromanage that. It's how do we give them the tools and the resources to do that? And then guess what? You achieve the outcome. I don't really care how you're managing your time and what you're doing and who you're collaborating with. Look, Travis, as we sort of start to wind this up, I'm, I'm interested from your personal point of view. Firstly, do you feel more empowered yourself and driven now that you are really aware that you are promoting a message that you really believe in and that you, and we, you talked about the curating of information and the, and the building of content, that you really feel it's your own? Yeah, definitely. I, I think... Uh, yeah, a couple of years in now that it's something I can hang my hat on and say, I feel like we found a brand voice. I'm not 100% on where that is and how far it will take us. But I feel like that's a tr it's starting to this point now where it just attracts people who want that kind of place for their own business and want to understand how they can be that kind of leader. Uh, and then what you'll find. So like, I haven't done any BD in over a year. Um, and it's all just referral based. And it's people saying like, all right, if you really want to figure out if you're you're having those real conversations or if you're really running your business properly, like go chat with this guy. Um, and so what that says to me is that I've, I'm starting to get known for having this semi-unconventional approach, but also some people like it. If what you do is worth doing and it's unconventional, some people will hate it and some people will love it. But the, the risk is that you're so vanilla and mediocre in what you do that everyone's indifferent. And I would hate for that to happen. I'd rather some people to go, he's a lunatic. How did he get in here? <laughs> like Versus everyone going, yeah, it was all right. Like, take it or leave it. Yeah. Have you found anything in the last couple of years that has really surprised you? So the, this is more about myself personally. But what I found is I thought I was working a lot of hours when I was in my last firm. I'm probably working like 30 to 40% more than that. There's some weeks I have, I won't even mention numbers because it's bad practice, right? But what I found is that I'm way less tired. People tell me I look much healthier, much more energized. And I think the reason for that is 100% attributable to I'm working with people where I feel like I'm making a real difference. And two is that I'm working on the terms that represent the voice I have and an authentic voice rather than 
a voice that represents an industry. And I think when you do that, you can go much further, you can do much more, you have more energy, and you've probably found the same. When you do the thing that you know, kind of when you're alone at night, is the thing you really want to do and say, you just can go to a level you haven't been able to do before with an amount of energy you've never expected. That's a really good description. And I think a lot of people that are in business for themselves, once they get over that initial fear, that initial trepidation of, of the buck stops with me, they do get that freedom and that ability to get into flow much more regularly. And especially when they're doing the things that they really want to do. Travis, it's been great to have you on the island. I've been really keen to, to get a feel for, for how you've changed and, and you know how you've adopted this approach. Just as we finish up, and I'm going to ask you a bit of a futurist question, but link it back to yourself. Can you see yourself continuing to change? And is that going to be driven by you developing ideas and concepts or you reacting to perhaps what's happening out there in the world? So yes, definitely. I mean, if you went back six months ago, I think some of those ways I deal with things and situations I deal with have changed. And I say 100%, you know, even if you look at the things I write, I write weekly newsletter, that is driven almost entirely by the experiences I'm having with clients. I don't write about my clients, so that's <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> but it's around, well, what am I seeing? If I see this across four or five organizations, well, maybe I'm starting to detect something is happening. And I can see that as the problems change or evolve for leaders, that will continue to shape how I respond to those. But I think who I am and the way in which I will deal with those won't change at a core level. So you'll still stick to your brand, challenge the status quo, and push people to the edge. That's it. But still be kind about it. Well, thanks for being on the island today, Travis. It's been really enjoyable talking to you and uh, good luck. Thanks. You too. It's been great. Thanks for having me. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, oh work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan, a short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmun track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished or fell by the way
every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. Completely alone, no emails or phone, and no. 